Sit down there, relax. Take a chair there, chairs. Take comfortable chairs there, chairs. So where are we? Let's get Bob Dylan for a while and my, and my infamous relationship with him, and we'll get back to him. Let's get down to serious problems. What are, what's meaningful questions? Does anybody have any questions? I'll yeah. tell you about Bob Dylan, so we'll keep it for later. What, what do you, what, what, what besides you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, what do you want? No, I'm just saying, let's start off with him and then we'll start to Okay, what him. do you want? Alright, I, I have a question. Um, I know the, um, the Hasidim, that they believe that you should only talk Hebrew when you dive in and not when you're, you know, talking, you know, amongst other people. I mean, I don't understand that. How come, like, even now people don't believe that's true, though? I mean, what, should you oh, do oh, things that way or oh, not? Good, good, good. Good boy. What's your first name again, Bernie? Michael Mayer. Mayer Bernie. Mayer, good boy. I like you, I like all you guys. Listen. Listen with, with sensitivity. The chassidim are right. Although I speak Hebrew at home to my children. That, that's why I ask. But essentially they are right. And I'll tell you why. Language is something that lives, it's alive. Language has its infancy. Language has its adolescence. And language has its old age. And language has its senility. There was an article in the New York Times about two years ago by a great linguist who said that the American usage of English is an indication of the decay in culture that's going on in this country. You take, you know, you take for instance an example, I'll give you an example. Language, you, you might not appreciate it, but from a linguistic, scientific point of view, it means something. You take the word cool. The word cool was something that you spoke about, uh, liquids or food or weather. Today you say something about a person who's, who's, who's cool. It's cool. Now, if you study the science of language, and there is there is such a study, linguistics, you go to MIT and study linguistics, it's a difficult subject. You'll see that that's the death of the word cool, because it's already a distortion, it loses its meaning. If you said to Shakespeare, he's a cool cat, <laughs> Shakespeare, Shakespeare wouldn't understand what he's talking about. Now, the Jews, when we speak to the wrong mind, and we believe that when a person sits down or stands up and says, I address myself to HaKadosh Baruch which means the Almighty, I address myself to him. The said, we want to keep the purity of that language. We want to keep the holiness of that language. Language not only turns into slang, but it turns into vulgarity and obscenity. You understand? You don't know, but you go to a good bookstore, you'll take it. There is a book that costs about $25, $30. It's a volume on slang, on obscene slang, which is part of the American vernacular, which is part of the American English. We are saying phrases, and I myself, unfortunately, that I don't know the origin of those phrases, and the origin of those phrases are, are vulgar obscenities. It crept into the language. Now the Jew says, the Hasidic Jew says, when I speak to the Almighty, I want to keep that language pure. 
I, I want out a specific, a holy language, something that I don't use in the profane area. Now, when you take modern Israeli Hebrew, modern Israeli Hebrew is half English. What do they say? Uh, they say, oh, Karali Masho Fantasti. Fantasti, everybody, nobody knows Hebrew. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Everybody knows Fantasti is fantastic. They have hundreds of such words that have crept into the language. So the Chassidim, which are very devout people, very serious people, they say, we don't want to do that to the Hebrew language. When you turn on the radio, there's at night a station in Hebrew, and you hear someone singing a Hebrew song, which is obscene in the Holy Language, that enrages the Chassidim. Vulgar obscenities that are in the Holy Language, they say, we don't want to use the language for so they are right. And we have to have the courage to admit that we are wrong. And it's not mayor. And that's their reason. You take a doctor. He writes a prescription. It's in Latin. Latin is pure. There's certain types of engineering, I believe, where you have to know it in German. For the dignity of that profession, they keep a pure language. You understand? Good. Any more questions? Yes, what do you have a question? Go ahead. Anything. Ask me about anything. Your minds are asleep. I, I have some. Right, what, what do you think of that Khomeini? What's your name? Yitzchak. You're beautiful. Very good. Say it one more time. Yitzchak. Yitz. T-Z. Yitz. Put your tongue where your gum begins. Yitz. Yitz. Oh. Yitzchak. Good. What do I think about Khomeini? Yeah. Khomeini is a cruel, wild-eyed zealot. That's what he is. Yeah, like... They sort of said in the newspaper that all those executions that they were doing, it's like, they say, oh, and Khomeini stated today that they shouldn't be killing people for certain reasons. You know what I mean? It's sort of like... Khomeini is... Were you ever in Asiatic countries? No. You know, you know the, the world is so full of malicious propaganda lies. You go to Saudi Arabia. You steal something, you know what they do to you? Cut your hands off. They chop off your hands on every day occasion. They don't care. They don't care. You, 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 uh, a man uh, that misbehaves, you know, you, a woman, they take you to throw you in a swimming pool to drown you. Do you, like, are they even following, like, I don't know what their religion is all about, but... I like, know what they're... Are they, are they, like, does their religion preach that you shouldn't do those things and they're doing them anyway? Sure. They say you shouldn't, like... Uh, it's a cruel religion. It's very cruel. Khomeini is a wild-eyed zealot. He doesn't like Jews. <laughs> well, that's nothing about That's so stupid, that's, that's not a look. You're talking yeah. about Asiatics. You, you know what Asiatic, the psychology of an Asiatic? They're extreme people. The whole Asiatic world is extreme. You know, in Japan, if you insult somebody in public, they'll commit suicide. With Harry Carey. You ever hear the person that? that you insult will commit suicide. Right. You know, that's you, like know, you know the big officers in this, the Second World War? What's his name again? The chief of the army or the navy? He went, committed suicide. Lost the war. He got to commit suicide. He lost face. That's extreme Asiatic. That's Asiatic psychosis. That's... Uh, you have to know the, the psych, the Asiatic psych, what it is. It's, it's a whole discussion. Is, is it part of um, Khomeini's religion to hate Jews? No. He just doesn't like Jews. He feels that we're against him. He thinks that we're against his God. Jews are against his God. So that's what he had. It's a bunch of nuts, you know. It's the next step because we refuse to believe what he believes. No, I don't even know about that. Listen, I'll tell you very interesting. I'll tell you, of all the books that I read on anti-Semitism, I read one paragraph in a book which was not basically about anti-Semitism. I'll tell you the book, there was a person 
in the 40s and in the 30s. His name, I don't know if you heard of him, his name was Pierre Van Passen. He wrote a book which was at that time the bestseller. It was called The Days of Our Years. Originally, Pierre Van Passen was born in Holland. He was a Dutchman. He was a priest. And he was a very, very warm Zionist. And he loved Jews. And then he became a newspaper columnist. And he wrote a syndicated column. It was all over North America as column. And he wrote books, Pierre Van Passen, The Days of Our Years. In The Days of Our Years, he writes that when he was a kid, he was sitting in the steps in front of his home in Amsterdam and he had a grandfather, an old grandfather who was a priest and an old Jew passed. So he turned around to his grandfather and he asked his grandfather, why do the Christians hate the Jews? Why do the Gentiles hate the Jews? Why do they hate the Jews? So his grandfather said to him, you know why? As long as there's a Jew in the world, so the, the Gentile thinks in the, just by the, by the beginning of his consciousness, he thinks, he thinks, he says, perhaps they are right. And that doubt gnaws at a person, he can't take it. Perhaps they are right, perhaps there's something better, perhaps we're doing something wrong, and the Christian world is very corrupt, its whole history is corrupt. So there's a sense of guilt, and they and a Jew symbol. When they see a Jew, so anybody's a Jew, not religious, but the fact that it's a Jew, it reminds him of a symbol which is a threat to his whole faith. You take you take Khomeini and these people. What they are Muslims? They are, they are Mohammedans. So Mohammed, they use the Old Testament. They they they, they revere Avraham Avinu. He's a Jew, who also says he comes from Avraham Avinu. So he's not positive. The Arabs are not a very moral people. They're, they're, all their morals is public. But in private, their morals is an altogether different story. He looks at a Jew. You're Jewish? He's not religious. He doesn't look religious. You symbolize those people that are a threat to us. That perhaps, maybe. And that evokes all that violent reaction against the Jews. And there's not going to be a cure for it until Mashiach comes. Yeah. What is the Islam? What does the Islam believe that you know? What's the, what's the basic? Yeah, belief is very, the very good. The belief is very simple. They believe in the same Almighty that we believe in. Yeah. The only thing is where the mistake begins is where they believe that Muhammad was his prophet. Muhammad was it? Yeah. Uh, and what does Muhammad say? That's not. Uh, that's well, you, you have to you have to read the Quran. It's, you have to you have to know what their philosophy is. Yeah. Is it sort of like the Christian religion? No, it's different altogether. They hate the Christians. What else, gentlemen? Any other questions? Yes. Last time you were saying that um, there wasn't, like, you know, there's mysteries in Judaism and everything, and that there's no proof of God. Right, there's no proof of God. Then how, why do we continue being religious? Or, you know, well, yes, you need them. Right? Look, you're big boys, you're going to graduate high school, you're going to go out to university. There is no conclusive, irrefutable, in systems of logic, there is no conclusive, irrefutable proof of the existence of the Almighty. We believe that man is placed, is suspended in a world, in a place that's called doubt. The, the dark world, a world where things are hidden and not obvious. 
Now you have to use your sensitivities, your emotions, and your intellect to live. Now we believe that there are certain hints, there are certain indications, there are certain feelings which are very real, and we believe, we, we the Jews, we believe that we received our heritage generation after generation for thousands of years, that the, that the Almighty revealed Himself to us on Sinai. And if you study that, you become convinced. Understand? If you study that, you come commit. If you're ignorant of our Torah, if you don't know what our Torah is about, if you don't know what our history is about, then you're then you then you're, you're you're in a position where you don't believe anything, where you believe everything. Understand? Why is it today that so many thousands of Jewish boys and girls are fall into this uh, freak business, this Jesus freak business? Because they don't know anything. They don't know anything. They, they never, unfortunately, they never were exposed to their heritage. They don't know what it's all about. They don't see the greatness. They don't see the profundity. They don't know what our history is. They don't know how we survived. They don't know what our tradition is all about. They fall, you can't live in a vacuum. You understand? I had a boy here, uh, a conservative rabbi brought here a boy. He was a Jesus freak. I don't know what I could do. I, never, I was only once successful with one of these people. So the boy says to me, I don't understand what you rabbis are talking about. He says, when I was into drugs, and I was into every type of immorality, no rabbi ever spoke to me. He says, now that I get up in the morning, I get down on my knees and I pray, and I'm living a clean life, now you want to talk to me? You understand? You have all these kids down at the island that never were in a synagogue. They don't know what a siddur looks like. They can't tell you the names of the five books of Moses. They don't understand what the Talmud is all about. They never spoke to a religious Jew. They never were in a place where religious Jews lived. They never saw them. They think that religious Jews are medieval bigots. They never, they never met such people. So he goes and a fellow says to him, I, I, we had a fellow here that was for four years, for four years he was on, 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 a, on, a, Buddhist, on a Buddhist colony in San Francisco. It was very interesting. The fellow was there four years. I can tell you the story. And at the end of four years, the priest over there, this, this fellow, he was trying with all his might to believe in him. But something, he knew he was Jewish. And this priest was a pretty honest guy. This guru was a pretty honest guy. He said to him, listen, my boy, you're Jewish. Go home to your religion. The fellow came here and studied two years in yeshiva. Now he's in Israel studying in yeshiva. You understand? All, the, all this, when you have no, you, you know, you think, that, you look at us, you think, oh, this guy with the black beard and with the payas and with the earlocks, with the long coat, that they, they, are, they don't know anything. They are, they, it's not true. Give us a chance. But there is no proof. If you know what our heritage is all about, if you know the beauties of the Talmud, the subtleties of the Talmud, if you know what our tradition is built upon, if you know what our precepts are, if you know what our life is all about, you begin to see, well, this makes you, this, this, you know, you can't live in a vacuum. See, this country tells you, you know, you, you know, you, you know, think young, drink, drink Pepsi, have a good time, smoke Marlboro. This is what this country tells you. You know, be cool. You know, when you start the car, you know, make so much noise with the tires. That's, they, you know, pull away. You know, doing 90 miles away. That, that's, that's the big thing in this country today. You understand? But if you think a little bit serious as to who we are, where we came from, we had a fellow that came to Yeshiva here, so he tells me. I'm the last Jew in my family. I said, then what do you mean? He says, my brothers and sisters intermarried, and I was going to intermarry too. So I said, so why didn't you? He says, I was the last one in my family. He says, and I began to think one night that for two, three thousand years we survived. 
all types of impossible situations, contrary situations, and I'm the last link in the chain, and I, and I began to think maybe I should reconsider and find out what I'm giving away before I intermarry. And he ended up in the yeshiva. There are proofs. We don't. We we, we really don't don't need any proofs. There are proofs. There there are deduct. There are proofs that we see. I see what American youth looks like with all their freedom and all their affluence. I see what they look like, and I see what 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 what, what life is means to people who live who live with our heritage. Where we used to be six million people and this six million Jews in this country, we're not six million Jews anymore. I don't think that we have two million Jews left because the other four are disappearing overnight. As we're sitting here this minute, hundreds of thousands of Jews are disappearing. You guys don't care. Maybe you do care. And if you guys don't do anything about it, you will not be sure that your daughters and sons will, will not disappear. Or you yourselves will not disappear. I used to come to Chicago for years. They used to tell me there were half a million Jews in Chicago. I come to write this to Chicago, so the Federation says there are only 250,000 Jews in Chicago. So I said, what happened to the other quarter of a million Jews? So I said, what do you mean, what happened? They disappeared, they internet. You understand? We have no sense of history anymore. Why? Because the few people weren't exposed. You, tell, you speak to a boy, you, you speak to a boy, I may be present company excluded, I don't know to what extent you know, or what, what's the extent of your religiosity. You know, you, know, you, you, you speak to people, uh, uh, kosher, that's, that's baloney. Keeping the Sabbath, that's baloney. So what have you got? So what have you got? You go to college, you meet a nice Gentile girl, she's a very sweet girl, she's pretty, she's nice. So you say, why not? A Jewish girl goes to college, meets a nice boy, he's gentle, he's nice, intelligent, going to make a nice living. Why not? What's going to keep it? So what happens? Everybody loses their history. We have no allegiance. We have no, we have no patriotism. You have kids going on the college campus from Lawrence that support the PLO. They come with their Boy Scout morality and they say, well, we took away Palestine. And what are you talking about? We took away from that. I have a question about that. Well, let's not get off on a tangent. It's hawk. It's a good question. Well, get there. And this is the situation. If we don't do something rapidly, we're all lost. So what can we do? Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Good. Now you're cooking with gas. The first thing is you must learn to read Hebrew perfectly and master Hebrew. You've got to learn. If you will not have Jewish intelligence, you're lost. The first thing is you must set aside 15, 20 minutes a day and seek ways and means to come in contact with our heritage. Just to come in contact. <laughs> if a person can say, I set aside 15, 20 minutes a day and I'll go to seek instruction once, twice a week. I want to know how to, I want to know how the Siddur works. I want to know what the Chumash is all about. I want to know what the Talmud is all about. I'll do it gradually. I have here a fellow who came from Russia eight months ago. He's a genius. He comes every Sunday. All we do is learn Sunday an hour. He learned how to read. He learns Hebrew. He learns about Jewish heritage. He was brought up as an atheist. And gradually, he's grown. He already puts on film every day. You fellas don't know what film's all about. You, you're afraid. Sure you're afraid. You might end up with a beard like me. It's not necessary to wear a beard. You understand? It's not necessary. You don't have to look like me in order to be a Jew. You understand? You could look like you look and also be a Jew, but you've got to have something in your head. 
You've got to have, if you don't have something in you, if you don't have Judaism in your head, it'll never get to your heart. And you can't read a siddha. If you don't know how, to, how a siddha works, what type of an instrument it is. A siddha is a fantastic instrument, the prayer book. It's a, 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 a book of philosophy for your whole life and you need it. And you people don't know that today. You see what the information you don't have is. There's an organization called the Association of, 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 of Orthodox Jewish Scientists. There are a few thousand professional scientists that are totally Orthodox Jews. They're, they're in every university in the States, in every significant university, there are professors that are religious Jews. There are doctors, there are lawyers, there are businessmen. A few months ago, you pick up the New York Times, you take a look, two brothers bought $350 million worth of property in Lower Manhattan. I know the two men. One of them looks like me, put down $40 million cash. Forget the money. He's a big businessman and he's a Jew. He's the second richest man in Canada. He's a pious Jew. In every walk of life. You go into Harvard, the head of the, the math department, there's a fellow with a beard, a religious Jew. You go into the big hospitals, there are doctors. This, in this community alone, there are, there, are, there are probably two dozen doctors that are Orthodox Jews. But if you, know, if you say, I'm not interested, if you're apathetic, I, I, the, the odds are that your children will not be Jewish. Chas v'shel, your mighty should guard us and protect us. And this, is, and, this is, and this is a reality that you have to look at. You have to have guts to face it. You have to have guts to face it because you know that's happening all over. So people are not pathetic. You have to have courage. You have to have, you have, to have, you have, to have earnestness to, to do something for 15 minutes a day to take the conference structure. You can come here, we'll teach you whatever you want. Whenever you want, wherever you are, all around the clock. We don't want any. There are, there are boys here that come from, from all over the states. I mean, there are people here with college degrees, one, two, three degrees. I mean, whatever you want, we have here. But uh, you have to be sensitive to it. If you say, I don't care, I want to have my good time. You know, in America, good time, I'll get through school, I want to have my good time, that's all. So you, your future is bleak. I hate to frighten you, I'm not a pessimist, but those, those are the realities. You look around and you know, I'm not exaggerating. So a fellow has to say, listen, I want to learn how to read. So you've got to come once a week for an hour, and a guy will work you out and teach you how to read. Then a guy will tell you what your Hebrew name is, how to pronounce it. What's your Hebrew name? Yit, uh, Try it again. It's Beautiful, perfect. So he's getting it. This, 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 is, uh, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. We live in a time of crisis, and the American Jews are sleeping. They're sleeping. They don't care. I spoke to a person who was very high in the B'nai B'rith, on the higher echelons of the B'nai B'rith. He told me the following. He told me that, uh, you know what the B'nai B'rith is? It's not worth anything. I was... Right. So you know what he told me? It's not what? It's not worth anything. He says, we'll get to that in a minute. You know what he told me? He told me, two million Jews in America are avidly looking forward to intermarriage. He says, another two million are afraid of intermarriage and they don't know what to do about it. And I tell you that it's more. And, 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 they're, and they're sitting back, and they're sitting back, and 
and and uh, and they're not doing anything about it. And, and I, gentlemen, I, I I I respect and I'm excited about the fact that you come here. But I've got to be a little gutsy and tell you something. If you people don't wake up, then you're betraying the Jewish people. And all of you are traitors. Not a question of religion. Then you are betraying on a, on a, on a national sense, on a nationalistic sense. In terms of being nationalistic, your people are betraying the, Jew, the Jewish people. A person today, a young fellow, a young girl that cannot tell me what a sitter is all about and read it perfectly, that cannot speak Hebrew perfectly, that doesn't know the names of the five books of Moses, that doesn't know what a parrot film is about, doesn't know what a kosher home is about, that person is a traitor. Can't help it. And if you have any historical sense, you'll see that I'm not exaggerating. And please, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to be like me. I'm not telling you that you have to look like me. You can look the way you're looking and still have that consciousness have that sensitivity, have that, have that feeling that I've got to know what it's all about. You know, I said, I meet a fellow in Lawrence. Uh, after last summer, talking to him, and it comes out of the conversation, he thinks that you eat matzah on Yom Kippur. It's a joke. He doesn't know what Yom Kippur is, and he doesn't know what Pesach is. I mean, it, 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 it's gotten to that stage. You wouldn't believe that uh, that, that, uh, that a sweet boy in Lawrence, I went into a store, he engaged me in conversation about a 19-year-old boy. It came out in between the lines, and I don't want to embarrass him, that you eat matzah on Yom Kippur. Now, what's going to hold him? What's going to keep him a Jew? Now, a person who's serious about his Judaism, you know, he has to begin to think, really. Before you know it, you guys will be married, you'll have children, your kid will come home and say, what? What? Come home and say, Daddy, you're getting a Christmas tree for Christmas. You're laughing? How many Jewish homes have Christmas trees? You're laughing? Go out of New York City. I don't know what's doing in New York City. Go out of New York City. You see how many Jewish homes have Christmas trees. Not that they're Gentiles are Christians. They have lost their Jewish sensitivities to such an extent that they think that having a Christmas tree at home is like eating a turkey on Thanksgiving Day. This is where it's at. This is where the struggle is at. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And I say now is the time for people to wake up. Now is the time for people with courage, with sensitivity, you know, to look around and say, where am I? Who am I? You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an absolute identity crisis. You said about Bob Dylan. He asked me, what do you think Bob Dylan came to me for? Yeah. What does he need me for? I don't know how to say How did he even know to come to you? Well, I mean, where does he live? Will get, does he live in New York? He lives in Malibu, California. He lives all over. I think I know. He was, he's Jewish, and he was wondering about his Jewish heritage, and he heard about you. Not what I was wondering. He was, wondering. He's, he was suffering. He's a man who's an international star, yeah. who has such fame and such money. Everything that anybody envies, right? We sit and fantasize in school when, when it gets hot. We don't want to listen to the teacher. We think of, oh, if I had Bob Dylan's position, his fame, his money, I wouldn't have to sit in the classroom now, right? Yeah. So he's sitting and he's in anguish because he doesn't know who he is. All the way on top there, he has a real identity crisis. He doesn't know who he is and it bothers him. It bothers him very much. And I don't know what the result is going to be. I don't know if he's going to creep out. 
Or what happened when he came to you? What was he like? What is the difference? That's, that's irrelevant at this moment. Yeah. You understand? And if it bothers him, it should bother you. Interesting. It should bother you. And, 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 you know, people want to do something for, you know, you say people want to do something for the Jewish people, so they go around selling cookies for the, uh, for, the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the Federation Drive. It's very nice, but that's not what we need. We need that you people should wake up and get a hold of every Jewish kid and say, listen, guys, listen, guys, we're drowning. The first thing is we've got to find, get a Jewish intelligence. Talk about religion later. Talk about practice later. The first thing is we have to regain Jewish intelligence. It means being knowledgeable and knowing what, what our tradition is. It means knowing. I can read Hebrew, I can speak Hebrew, I know what the Jewish books are about, I know what Shabbos is about, I know when Pesach is, I know when you eat matzah, and I know what Yom Kippur is about, and I know what, 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 what Sitzes is about, I, I, I know what all these things are about. Then you might decide to do it. Don't be terrified. Don't lose your guts. Worst things can happen to you. Heavens forbid. But uh, this is this this is the crisis. This is the crisis. Any more questions? Oh, what do you say? Um, do I make sense? Make Disagree with me. Do I make sense? From from from. Yeah, you make sense. <laughs> yes. Um, why don't you explain to us the um, difference in the view of clothing of um, Jews, where the Jews view clothing as the way like American and Western? Listen, I forgot your name. Tell me your name again. Eliezer. Eliezer. Listen, Eliezer. I want to tell you something. If you go to a good library, I don't go frequent these libraries here, but if you go to a good library, there's a book called The Psychology of Clothing. I don't know if you people are students of psychology, but it's a hobby of mine. Now, I want to tell you something. Everything that a person experiences, everything, the slightest little thing, you may forget about it, but it doesn't escape you. Any experience you had from the time that you were born. Now, I'll tell you something else. There's a school of thought in science today about prenatal consciousness. That when you were in your mother's womb. There is a, in science that you had a certain type of consciousness. Everything that happens goes into your consciousness and imperceptibly shapes you. You understand? You meet somebody, he has a psychosis. He goes five years to the top-notch psychiatrist. And finally they uncover something happened when he was four years old. And that directed, and that changed the course of his whole life. Everything registers. There's a book, The Psychology of Clothing. You take a pair of blue jeans. Mr. Levi's not stupid. It's a multi, multi, multi million dollar business. That is the end. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't make blue jeans, Mr. Levi. He has designers. And the designers are inspired, they say to him, you know what the boys need over here? How do you say they need, they want to look like he-man. They want machismo, what do you call it? You know? What, how do you pronounce macho. it? Macho. Macho. You understand? Mr. Levi, the Jewish guy said, macho? Not what do you need, Pesach, Matzah? Oh, Mr. Levi. No, sure they're Jewish. <laughs> and they tell him, listen, 
we're going to sell the American youth that every one of them think is going to think that he's Steve McQueen or somebody else. And they start pouring out millions of dollars. And before you know it, everybody is wearing, is wearing a certain type of blue jeans. Not only in the color, the way it's shaped, whether it's loose or tight, it affects you. You, think, you, you, you visualize yourself in that way. Understand? I'm not telling you to wear my clothing to wear a long coat. But the fact that we wear a long coat, there's a psychology to it. There's a humility to it. You understand? There is a humility to it. There's a modesty to it. I can afford to go into Comer Marcus and buy the most expensive suit. And I can go into the finest Italian tailor and have a suit made to order. But I won't do it. Because I want to feel a certain way. I don't want to wear blue jeans. I don't want to look. I don't want to look macho. I want to look humble in the eyes of my Creator. You understand? Everything we do, you know, to have our own style. I mean, the first time I, 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 and I was very embarrassed. A few years ago, when they had the style where they start wearing their shirt open down to their belly button. I pulled up, I was going someplace in New Jersey in a gas station, so I pull up, this guy comes up, and it wasn't very hot, you know, and his shirt is open down here, so it looked like a nice boy, I'm sitting in the car, I say, yeah, excuse me, uh, your shirt's open, <laughs> he looks at me like I'm insane, you know, he gave me a dirty look, then I found out that, the look back told me, that's the new style, you gotta go down, now listen, there's a psychology to that, I don't have to tell you guys what that means, I don't have to tell you what that means. You understand? Now, they are manipulating you. They want to sell you something. They want to sell you something. They want to tell you, if you wear your clothing this way, you are going to project this and this image. And you people let yourself be manipulated. We don't. We don't. I want to look, I want to look right in the eyes of my Creator. And I have no other interest. I don't care about anybody else. I have that much courage. More than that, I don't have. Our children don't go dressed like you. I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to attack you, gentlemen. I don't mean to be abusive. You don't know about it. You ask me the question. But everything you do affects you. Everything that you, you dress in a certain way, you think in a certain way. It affects you. It affects you. There's a difference between my haircut and your haircut. And there's a psychological difference too. And I'm not telling you gentlemen to take care. Please, I'm not telling you to do anything. This is just, we're meeting, we're meeting each other. I hope we meet again as, as frequently as possible. But there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a psychological reality into your consciousness. Something, something goes into your consciousness, into your self-image. My self-image is I want to be a Jew. From the time I was I, 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 I walked, I wanted to be a Jew, that's all I want to be. I, wa I want to be Jewish in the eyes of my creator. I want to be a link in the chain of my heritage. You understand, I have no other desire in this world. But if I lend myself to Mr. Levi, is going to tell me what kind of pants to wear. Heavens forbid. Mr. Levi is going to tell my son and my daughter what kind of clothing to wear. Heavens forbid we'll go in sacks. We'll go in red, and they won't tell us what to wear. Because when they tell you what wearing clothing is a psychology. 
called uh, you don't have to ask me, you speak to secular scientists. But you people don't know that you're manipulated. We know that there are forces banging on us, manipulate. This place is a cave. This place is a hideout. Once you cross the door here, we try to keep all sorts of winds out of here. We won't allow someone to bring a newspaper into that big hall. You may look at me like I'm crazy. What's a newspaper? A newspaper is an influence. It's an influence. It's an influence. We will not, no one will dare bring a newspaper into, into, the, into the holy precincts of that big study hall. We don't want any strange winds here. We want the winds of Judaism to blow here, the way it blew at Sinai, the way it blew in the times of the temple, the way it blew in, 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 in medieval times when the Crusades, when the Rhine River was red with Jewish blood. The same winds we want. I don't let myself be manipulated. They tell me to smoke Marlboro, I don't smoke Marlboro. Tell me to drink Pepsi, I don't drink Pepsi. They're not going to tell me anything. I'll tell you what to do. You, 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 you give me a paper, I stop reading the newspapers. Occasionally I look at a paper, we don't, I, don't, I don't read the papers. And believe me, I know what's going on. What is it? You want to ask something? What's your name? Uh, Akiva. Akiva! That's a beautiful name. What is it, Akiva? I don't understand. You say you don't let yourself be manipulated. Right! Well, Self-reliant. I mean, what about with food? I mean, you have to be manipulated there. Uh, do I? Yeah. What do you eat? What do I eat? I'll tell you something. I eat different than you eat. We have our own sense of etiquette. We, there are certain things, look, uh, people, all, all nations eat bread. We all eat bread. But uh, I'm not, uh, I don't eat a hero sandwich. Nobody, nobody in my presence can eat a hero sandwich. Understand, you come, in, you come into, a, into a store, and you're hungry, so you're a hero sandwich. You take a hero sandwich like this? Wow! We don't eat like that. We have our own etiquette of eating. We won't, we won't pick up a slice of bread. According to Jewish tradition, you're not supposed to pick up a slice of bread because you shouldn't put a whole slice of bread in your mouth. We take a piece of bread and break off a piece of bread that we pack, that we hunt the back and we eat it. You understand? We have our own cuisine. Of course we eat food. They eat fish, we eat fish. The only thing that's different is we eat kosher food. We have laws of kashras. We are governed by laws. By custom. I think it's pretty sane. I think it's pretty sane. They tell me to eat Wheaties, I don't like Wheaties. The breakfast of champions, I'm not a champion. <laughs> Understand? You're saying you're not manipulated at all. I am. I'm trying to fight it. What do you think I am? I'm a human, weak human being. I'm a frail human being. I'm trying to fight it. I'm, it's in a war. I'm sure I have plenty of scars and plenty of wounds. I'm exposed to it. But I'm trying to purify myself. I'm trying. I haven't given up the battle. What is it? What's your Jewish name? It's God. Again, I didn't hear it. It's fun. Good. Yeah. Can, can I ask you about the PLO question? Or you no, want to save for not yet. We're in the middle of a question. Save it for a while. Understand? This is it. We have we our Judaism. Judaism is an influence. We have so put ourselves in a position 
where we allow every influence in the world to manipulate us. You know, after all, who invented the long hair? Who invented the long hair? There was no such thing as long hair. What is long hair? A long hair. Who invented it? Who brought it out? Who, who, who brought that style? It's the Beatles. Look, I am not submitting myself with all due respect to their talent. They are not going to tell me what my hair should look like. Not those poor creatures. They are not going to, and I won't allow it. In the honesty of my conscience, I say, they are not going to tell me. I have the strength to stand up against them. Because there's a physical law. Two objects cannot occupy the same space. And sometimes two ideologies cannot occupy the same mind. What do you say, gentlemen? You agree with me or disagree with me? Do I make sense? Makes sense, thanks. What's your Jewish name? Moshe, you, what do you want? You want to take a picture? Take a picture. These guys, this guy's going to be on videotape. You'll see your own pictures. He's sending it to Bob Dylan in Hollywood, gentlemen. <laughs> I have a question. What's your question? What's your Jewish name? One minute. Mendel. Mendel, not Mendel. 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 Mandel, it's a beautiful name. Okay, now, uh, you have been manipulated, manipulated before in your life, okay? Of course. Okay, now, you want to fight, you don't want to be manipulated against, you know? Right. So what happens if you enjoyed something in which you are manipulated? So now things I wake up, listen, what happens if a person goes to a party and he gets drunk? And he wakes up the next day and he sees it was silly, so he gets drunk again? He doesn't. He says, I made a mistake, and you get up and you, and, you, 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 and, and, and you reconstruct your life. Everybody makes mistakes. It's a, to err is human. To forgive yourself is divine. Yourself to forgive is divine. Everybody makes mistakes. I make thousands of mistakes every single day. But I, the, the, the trick is to recognize that you've made a mistake. To recognize that you are in error. To recognize that there's something better, to understand that there are other possibilities, that there are other avenues, that there are other approaches. This is the trick. Gentlemen, you will never, you will never, you will never see the light of day if you don't come to Jewish intelligence. I'm not talking now about practical, pragmatic, practical questions. If you don't have a Jewish consciousness, if your mind does not have a grasp on Judaism, you'll never come to a Jewish consciousness. You're lost. I'm not, I'm not talking about anything practical. Do you understand what I'm telling you guys? What do you say, man? What do you got to say on this topic? I think that's very important that, that before you, you even think about having children, that you yourself should, you should purify yourself without any sort of influence. You know, like, like without any TVs in your house, without any newspapers, because when you have children, they're going to be influenced by, by you and whatever you're influenced by. So, so it's like, like I'm coming to realization that it's such an important step, you know, for having a child to purify yourself. What about, what are you worried about children? What about yourself? You and yourself. We have, a person is an individual, is an island unto himself also. We ourselves, you know, in our own consciousness. You guys, how many people are there? We're a dozen people here, 13, 14 people. There should be every Jewish, every Jewish boy and girl of your age should be here once a week. Should be in a place of education once a week. Your people should bang the doors down to say, we want to understand, we want to know. Regardless of 
we've got to, we've got to have a confrontation with what's learned. The consequence we'll worry about later. As individuals, you go to sleep at night, you put your head down on the pillow, what are you going to get? What's in there? Is there anything meaningful in there? Does it relate to anything? Does it relate to the ultimates of life? I mean, all right, you young people, I don't expect you to have the, the sobriety and the, the, the seriousness of, a, of an older person. 